Good morning. Welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me this morning. We're continuing on in our study of Job, the book of Job. And as we left off last week, Job had made this very um, important statement that he knows his Redeemer lives and um, that he is going to see God face to face. You know, so that was a, a wonderful statement that Job made. And, um, you know, he's just gotten done chastising the three friends and saying that they were no encouragement to him um, as friends. You know, he, he got on to them. And so we're going to skip some chapters again, just uh, as we have been doing. And we're going to end up over on chapter 28. But I want to start with chapter 20, which comes right after um, the last week's lesson. And I'm just going to summarize a little bit out of each one of those chapters as we go. So in verse in chapter 20, right after Job has talked about, I know my Redeemer lives, then uh, Zophar, the friend Zophar, speaks again. And Zophar, you know, says how insulted he is, you know, that Job uh, said they were poor uh, encouragers or whatever. And then he goes on to say that the wicked will suffer. This is God's heritage decreed to the wicked. And so uh, that's kind of the full chapter 20. And then going to chapter 21, Job responds back to that. And, um, you know, Job doesn't disagree that the wicked will, will suffer and do suffer. But um, Job said, you know, he also sees some wicked people that prosper their whole lives. And, and he talks a little bit about uh, them and how, it, you know, it's not necessarily that the wicked always suffer and an innocent person is always protected by God, which is the idea that some people have. You know, even today you, hear, you might hear someone speaking that way that basically if you are suffering and having difficulties in your life it's because you're doing something wrong or God is not blessing you because of some something that you're doing and so um, you know Job says I've seen some people you know who who do wrong and it's like their whole life they prosper and, you know, he admits that, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to suffer, you know, if they were wicked. Uh, and then in chapter 22, Eliphaz uh, jumps in. And he, um, he begins to give a list of possible sins that Job might have committed or some of his family might have committed. And he gets you know, gets into some details uh, of different things, you know, that, that could have possibly been done wrong. And, he, and, you know, he's just still trying to go back to this theme of could it have been one of these things, basically. Uh, think again, Job. You know, aren't you sure that you, you might have done uh, one of these? And Job um, 
you know, replies back, and it's very, I think it shows the depth of his um, despair or sadness, you know, over the way things are going, because in verse, um, it, starting, well, throughout the whole chapter of 23, but starting in verse 8, let's read just a couple verses there. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he acts on the left, I cannot behold him. He turns on the right, I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So he's still, you know, not uh, not willing to curse God or to say that God has done anything wrong. But what he's kind of saying here is, I just can't quite find God right now. I don't know what God's doing or how this is working. It just, I'm a little bit lost in it. But I know that at the end of the day, once my trial is over, I will emerge as gold. Or, you know, that's always a um, an example used in the Bible to say gold that has been refined, has been through the fire, you know, has been purified, and it's more beautiful than gold that has never been refined. And so, so Job is, um, you know, is, is making that comparison. And, and also, I think, saying, I just, I'm not quite sure where God is right now, but I know he's there, and I know when this test is over, I'll emerge as gold. Um, and then, going to uh, chapter 24, Job is continuing to speak, and he, it, interesting, he talks about, wicked people who know God and wicked people who don't know God um, because he says in uh, the beginning of 24 why are times not stored up by the Almighty um, and in my footnotes it says times of judgment for example why do those who know him not see his days so in other words why is it why is the day of judgment not coming on those who know him. And then he goes on to make a sort of a list or some examples of things that people are doing that are wrong that do know God and, and are followers of God. But at the same time, they're doing some of these things like taking the widow's ox for a pledge and... Um, you know, causing the poor to go without clothing and things like that. And then at the end of that chapter 24, he talks about those who really don't know God and, you know, some of the very wicked things that they they um, do. And so then we get down to chapter 25, which is very short, where Bildad, um, you know, just basically says, uh, you know, all dominion is to God. And uh, man, how can man possibly ever, you know, be clean? Um, and so then Job uh, in chapter 26 begins to talk about the attributes of God, the greatness of God. Um, and I like these parts of Job 
where um, the attributes of God are given because it helps us when we read those things even though this is not a story that that we're saying okay you know this is an example follow it you know it's not like that but when we read it and we hear these attributes of God we can know God better and so that's one of the benefits of studying these scriptures so you might want to go and read in verse in chapter 26 verses 5 to 14 through that section where it talks something about the attributes of God and then um, in 27 Job again <coughs> excuse me affirms his righteousness or that he's not you know, not done anything to deserve these things that have happened to him. And um, he talks about the godless person, those who don't know God at all. And then we get to chapter 28. And um, at the beginning of chapter 28, Job is still talking. And he from, from verses 1 to 11... He talks about mining and you, you have to you have to put that in context and um, you know pay attention to that otherwise you just read that and you just think Job was chasing a rabbit there you know get getting off to talk about mining and how uh, they dig down into the earth and they bring out treasures and um, all of these things but that that all goes with what we're going to study today and so so that first part of the chapter you know he's talking about the hidden places under the earth and and how the the miners go down and they bring out these treasures and so immediately following that then um, in verses 12 to 19 after talking about finding the treasures, he talks about wisdom. Where can wisdom be found? Because obviously, his friends think they are wise, and uh, Job knows that they're not because they're calling him wicked when he knows that he's an innocent man. And so, um, let's read verses 12 to 19. Now, this is chapter 28. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire, Gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned, and the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. So, he's talking about wisdom, and he's referring back then to this dialogue that he has given about mining and 
you know, he's saying that wisdom is more valuable than all of these things. And where can it be found? Uh, it's not deep under the earth. It's not in the sea. And you can't exchange gold for it. No matter how much gold you have, the gold of Ophir, which is, um, you know, referred to sometimes in the Bible as a, a place that was, you know, had abundant riches of, of gold. Um, so he's saying, you know, no matter how much gold you have, um, you can't buy wisdom. And that's true, isn't it? <laughs> we see that over and over again. Um, as you might meet someone who has all the money in the world, but they're not very smart with it. And that, that happens a lot. And so then uh, let's read on to verses 20 through 22. Where then does wisdom come from? And where is the place of understanding? Thus it is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the sky. In Abaddon and death, no, I'm sorry, Abaddon and death say, with our ears we have heard a report of it. Abaddon, um, and maybe I'm not pronouncing that right, but it's another word for destruction. So destruction and death are saying, you know, we seem to have heard a report about wisdom. So Wisdom is hidden, he's saying, from the eyes of the living, the birds of the sky. Where is the place of understanding? And it, Job is going to, um, you know, give us an answer to that. But um, even, even destruction and death or the end of life have only just heard a report that there is some such a thing as wisdom. You know, we as Americans, or maybe many other people around the world too, are the same way. We want to have all the answers before we trust God, don't we? We want, we want to um, have the full knowledge of the situation before we we can trust God with the situation. And that's not really trust, is it? Um, trust, I've, I've really dealt with that this week, I guess. But trust is when you, you go ahead and act and believe on something that you can't see, touch, or feel. And you don't know that it's going to happen except that you know God and you know that He will work it out. That's where trust comes in. And, you know, sometimes, uh, like we talked about before, you have to get to the end of your rope or the bottom of your barrel uh, before you can begin to really trust God and know that He is ultimately the one that's in control and not you. And that He, he does know what's going on and you don't have to all the time you don't always have to know all the answers so let's read on in verses 30 I'm sorry 23 and 24 talking now about wisdom God understands its way and he knows its place the place of um, understanding is what he had referred to before for he looks to the ends of the earth 
and sees everything under the heavens. So here's another one of the attributes of God that he sees the big picture. He can see everything that's happening. He sees how all the pieces fit together. He can, he can see the future and the past. And he knows how to, uh, he, he, knows, he has the true wisdom, I'll say it that way. He has the true understanding and the true wisdom. And, you know, we try to think up um, what we think is wise and make decisions based on that. You know, if we miss the boat, then we've made some decisions that were wrong. And But God sees the big picture. Verses 25 to 27 now. When he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure when he set a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt then he saw it and declared it he established it and also searched it out so you know here are more attributes of God that he he uh, created everything and when he did so you know, he measured out the waters in the way that he wanted them to be. He he uh, measures out the rain. You know, if you think of it that way, I mean, God is in control. He, when things seem out of control, um, we still just have to trust God that he somehow is a part of a bigger picture that's going on, and and how it fits together. We we may never understand until we get to heaven. Um, it says in verse, um, let's see. He set the limit for the rain and the, and the course for the thunderbolt. He established it and also, and also searched it out. So, in the book in the book version of this verse it puts in the word wisdom he considered wisdom and evaluated it he established it and examined it you know we know that god is the creator of wisdom I, my version does not spell it out in that way but um we know that god created everything including wisdom and he holds all the wisdom and any wisdom that we have comes from him and certainly not from ourselves. And then the last verse that we're going to cover for today is verse 28. So this is, uh, this is still Job speaking. And to man he said, God said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Okay, so now Job has given us the answer um, to what is wisdom and understanding. And let's read that again because it's very important. The fear of the Lord is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. And let's break those two apart for a moment. The fear of the Lord, meaning that, um, you know, not that we are afraid of the Lord, of course, but that we 
have a very healthy respect for what he says. And we should fear him in the sense that we don't want to go outside of his will for our lives or his desire for the way that he wants us to live. So in that way, we should fear him and and to reverence or fear the Lord like that is wisdom. And a part of wisdom then is going to be to listen to God's guidance on any situation. Because that's a part of the fear or reverence of the Lord, isn't it? To wait for his instructions or his guidance in our lives rather than just marching on and and trying to think up the best answer for ourselves. And then it says to depart from evil is understanding. So the same in the same way uh, to depart from evil, to leave it behind, to turn away from it is to be able to have real understanding, um, the kind of understanding that God would want us to have. And God gives us that um, understanding to be able to discern what is evil and what is good and what is his way to follow in it and what is evil to turn away from that. You know, he's always giving us instructions throughout the day and things that we, decisions that we have to make. We make so many small decisions everywhere we go and we don't even think about it you know if, if we sit and think about all the little decisions you make when you uh let's say on a trip to walmart you come in the door there's someone there who says hello to you okay right there you have a decision don't you um whether you're going to treat that person kindly you're going to ignore them or you're going to be rude to them you know you've got several choices there that you can make you know, in the way that you walk through the store, you make decisions on how you treat others as you go through that store. Um, the things you purchase are decisions that you make based on your fear of God or not. Um, where you might avoid walking down the, the aisle with the alcohol on it because you don't want, you know, to give the appearance that you might be going down there to buy something. I mean... You know, there are decisions that you make as you go through the store. And then, you know, as you leave the store, again, you're going to encounter people and you have that decision on how you're going to treat others. Because if we can think of, of things in God's way, in the way that he sees the situation, in the way that he sees those other people, then we can um, begin to try to treat them in the way that God would want to treat them. So, um, Job, I think he exhibits in some ways like this that he does understand God. He knows God. And he has the wisdom and understanding of God to be able to speak these words that he's spoken last week and this week as he's given wise counsel to the friends if they will listen. And so we're going to continue on then with Job next week. And the chapter that we're going to begin with is chapter 36. 
So from now, 29 to 36, uh, review those chapters, and then you'll be ready for us to study again together next week. Thank you for being with me, and I'll see you uh, soon.